On Christmas Eve, 1953, 151 people lost their lives in what was the eighth biggest railway disaster in the world at the time. We know it as the Tangiwai disaster. Aotearoa mourned the tragedy for decades to come. Very few were untouched by the tragedy. At the time, everyone knew someone, somewhere, who was affected. One family were affected in a surprising way. The story that follows is based on a true story. It's a story of fate, destiny, and a match written in the stars. Wellington train station is packed. Everyone there is trying to get home to family in time for Christmas. Parents to children, husbands to wives, sons and daughters to their mothers and fathers. So, there's a long queue to buy a ticket on the overnight train from Wellington to Auckland. Miss Emily Kumeroa is from a well-to-do family and is going home to Taumarunui to be with her entire whānau. Her parents, her siblings, her aunts, uncles and cousins. Christmas is a huge affair in her family. Emily is immaculately dressed. She is the height of 1950s chic in a deep wine peplum suit with a boat collar. She's wearing a delicate pearl necklace and a matching bracelet. A brooch in her garnet birthstone is pinned to the lapel of her suit and her toe-peeping pumps match her suit perfectly. Emily has just finished her first year in dental nursing at the Dominion School for Dental Nurses and is looking forward to a Christmas feast of salty mutton birds, sweet kānga pīrau, briny toroi, mara, and prāua rewana. Mmm, bliss. Everyone in the line is jittery as they've heard that the train is almost fully booked. Emily hears a voice. Excuse me. Emily turns to find a smiling young man just behind her in the queue. He has a smooth ducktail haircut, stovepipe jeans, and shiny winkle picker boots, and at his feet is a battered guitar case. He's striking and elegant. Emily is an absolute sucker for stovepipe jeans, stylish shiny shoes, ducktail haircuts, and a man who can play a guitar. Kia ora, Mrs. Miss. Miss Emily Kumeroa. Miss? Ah, tēnā koe. Ko paora waimoana hau. Nice to meet you, Mr. Waimoana. Just paora. Please, call me Emily. Kei te haere koe ki hea. Paumaru nui. Paura is an upright, confident young man and talks easily and laughs often. The young couple chat while they wait in the queue. Paura makes Emily laugh and blush several times, and before they know it, they're only a pace away from the ticket booth. Emily can't remember the last time she has enjoyed something so much. Her heart skips a beat every time he smiles at her. When he laughs, her stomach swoops, Powder's heart has beaten wildly and erratically from the moment he saw Emily standing like a shining beacon at the train station. He is smitten. During those moments, they both would swear that the sun was shining brilliantly. Birds were singing, 
and flowers and butterflies popped up everywhere. Paura nods at the ticket booth. Titiro, you're up next. Emily and Paura overhear a conversation at the ticket booth. No, we've nothing left in that section, sorry. A crestfallen-looking woman leaves the booth. Next, please. Hello, have all the tickets gone? She's going to Taumarunui. We have two seats left in first class to Taumarunui for Christmas Eve. Are you travelling together? Oh, no. One ticket will do just fine. When the operator hands Emily her train ticket, she is suddenly overtaken by a chill. Despite the summer weather, Emily feels a terrible moment of disquiet. A shiver passes over her. She staggers under its weight. Paura quickly steps forward to catch her, to keep her upright. The ticket operator and the people in the queue look on in concern. Oh, whoa, whoa, steady on. Emily quickly recovers and is embarrassed by all the attention. Oh, I'm very sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. I've got you. Thank you. Very much. Are you all right? I'm well. I'll be fine. Very sorry. Oh, no trouble at all. Thank you again, and good luck. She moves away, slowly walking down the train platform while she puts her train ticket into her handbag. The ticket operator raises his eyebrows at Paura. Oh, one ticket to Tomaranui, please. We have one ticket left in first class. That will be five pounds, three shillings. Paura looks at the money in his wallet. Oh, oh never mind. <laughs> Paura walks away to his friend George, waiting at the back of the queue, who calls out to him. Emily, standing not too far away, hears the young men's plight and is standing near a couple whose plans have changed and can no longer go on the train to Auckland. Seizing the opportunity, Emily steps in. Excuse me, I couldn't help but overhear you. I believe the two young gentlemen over there are looking for a couple of tickets. Emily waves to Paura and his friend, who come over immediately. There's a quick discussion, a negotiation, an exchange of pounds, and Paura now has train tickets at a discount. Doesn't look like you can get rid of me that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. I suppose I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Unless you're the long-lost son of King George. Forget about it. There are plenty of other harpuka in the sea. Who the heck was that anyway? That George, my friend, is the future Mrs. Waimona. <laughs> sure it is. Come on, let's go. At home, later that night, Emily is all packed and ready to go on tomorrow's train when she gets a phone call. Hello, Emily speaking. Emily! The same Emily that punched the Marae bully in the face and broke his nose. Beg your pardon? Who is this? Emily, who do you think it is? The only one that called me that was... Billy, is that you? Emily shouts in delight and happiness. Billy had been her childhood friend. The two girls had spent school holidays together, dreaming their fairy tales, sharing their girlhood hopes. 
They had lost touch not long after they both left primary school. Yes, it's Billy, the one and only. I heard you were in Wellington. Yes, I am. I have a ticket home on tomorrow night's train, so maybe we can get together after the holidays. Your parents are still in Taumarunui, ne? Yes, of course. How about a little adventure? I have my own car and I'm heading back to Taumarunui this evening. We can drive through the night and we can be there just before sunrise on Christmas Eve. What shall I do with my ticket? Don't worry. We'll cash it in and spend your money along the way. Emily hesitates and thinks about how she may not ever see the intriguing young man Paura again. She shakes her head and comes to her senses. Sounds wonderful. How about we meet down at the train station in half an hour at 8pm and leave from there? Carboy, see you soon! Emily and Billy meet up at the train station. After a long embrace, Emily places her luggage into the car. It takes up all the boot space and covers the entire back seat of the car. Still travelling light, I see. Shh, I don't want my clothes to be wrinkled. Emily, I need you to deliver a letter to my mother. You know where she stays, just around the corner from your parents' place. Yes, of course. But you're not going home? No. I haven't spoken to my mother in ages. I'm with my grandparents now. Oh, okay. I understand. I've had words with my parents before, but it works itself out, you'll see. I'll give the letter to your mother on Christmas Day. I think that she'll be coming around for Hakari this year. The family haven't seen her in ages. The two friends chat, reminisce, gossip, and laugh all through the night on their drive home. Every now and again, Emily wistfully thinks of Paura and hopes he has arrived home safely. As they get closer to Taumarunui, Emily makes a snap decision to visit her favourite auntie and stay there for what's left of the night. When they drive into Taumarunui, Emily directs Billy to her auntie Ra's house. It's just before dawn when they pull into the driveway. Thank you for the ride and I'll see you again soon. We'll organise something. We'll see each other again, but no, not anytime soon. They hug. Billy climbs back into her car and drives away. Emily waves at her friend until the car disappears over the hill and out of sight. She ponders on Billy's unusual goodbye. Upon seeing her niece, her auntie is delighted and gives her a huge hug at the wonderful surprise. Although Emily has been up all night, she still manages to talk to her favourite auntie through a delicious breakfast of kino and rewana bread and on till it's almost lunchtime. Oh, would you look at the time. There's more kina in the fridge and some rewana bread under the tea towel. I have to head up to the farm, but oh, I'll be back later with your uncle and then we'll head over to your mum and dad's place. Emily cleans up the dishes, has a quick wash, dresses into her nightie and climbs into bed. She sleeps through the rest of the day and into the night when she's awoken by her uncle who's just gotten home and has answered the phone. Emily can hear her uncle clearly. What? Have I heard the news? Oh, I just got back. What? 
A train crashed. Where? Tangiwai. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, dear, no. Dear God, no. Um, now are you absolutely sure? How many, how many others? Auntie? No, no, no. No, she left the house. I'll ring her now. Sleep, and her uncle is gone before realizing that Emily is there at the house. Emily comes out into the lounge and turns on the radio to see what's going on. In breaking news, the KA949 express train from Wellington to Auckland has been involved in a terrible tragedy. We have word that five, possibly six carriages plunged into the Wangaihu River at Tangiwai last night at approximately 10.21 p.m. That news again, the train from Wellington to Auckland has plunged into the Whangaehu River at Tangiwai. Our prayers and thoughts are with the families who are no doubt still waiting to hear from their loved ones. We're told that there are scores of rescuers from every corner of Wairu and across to Oakune and Raitihi who have braved the treacherous conditions to pitch in and help those poor people. We will continue to bring updates on this terrible situation as they come. Emily puts her hand over her mouth shocked. She was supposed to be on that train. If her friend hadn't turned up to get her, she would have taken that train and probably be dead now. She freezes. No! Powder! No! 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 Emily's heart breaks and for a long time she can't stop her tears. She eventually gives into her grief and cries for the lovely young man she met at the Wellington train station. He would have been fine until she interfered. She feels sickened by the thought and a fresh wave of heartbreak washes over her. Emily feels paralyzed by her grief. Not knowing how long she's been crying, she eventually forces herself to go to the bathroom where she washes her face repeatedly in an attempt to hide the evidence of her tears and heartbreak. While she is brushing her teeth, another part of the one-sided telephone conversation drops. Emily's dead. Oh no, everyone must think I was on the train. She rings her mother and father immediately, but the number is engaged. Everyone must be ringing her parents to find out what's happening. She gets dressed, ready to go, when her uncle and auntie get back. Auntie Ra comes crashing through the front door. Emily! Oh, you're okay. Oh, your stupid uncle was too upset to tell me anything. I've tried to ring mum and dad, but I think everybody might be on the line trying to find out what happened. 
Come on, we, we better take you home now. Your parents will be beside themselves. Leave your bags and I'll bring them over tomorrow. When Emily gets home, the driveway is full of cars. She can hear the wailing and the grief from the street. She runs through the gate, steps across all the shoes on the porch, and then through the front door, straight into the lounge. Her mother is kneeling on the floor amidst a sea of Emily's siblings, aunties, and queer, who are sobbing, wailing, and keening in grief. Her mother is the first to see her. She freezes and looks at Emily like she's seen a ghost. Emily's mother screams and tears at her hair in anguish. Emily drops to the ground and crawls through her family to hold her mother. Mother and daughter cling to each other, rocking back and forward in both grief and joy. Emily's huge family of aunties, sisters and cousins gather around them, alternately crying and hugging each other in relief. The news that Emily is alive travels through the house to all the family that have gathered. Emily's dad, almost too scared to hope, has come into the lounge. He is trembling and crying. Emily. Oh, Dad. Emily. Father and daughter hug. There are some more tears, relief, and unbridled joy. For Emily's family, everything was well. On that Christmas morning in 1953, New Zealand woke up to the Tangiwai disaster. 151 people lost their lives. Billy's mother, Auntie Kere, arrives at the house for hākari. Oh, Emily, it's such a relief that you're home safe and sound. All oh, thanks to Billy. I got a ride back with her from Wellington. What are you talking about? That's why I wasn't on the train. I actually had a ticket, but she rang me and told me to... Oh, hang on a second. This is for you. Emily reaches into her pocket and pulls out the letter that Billy gave her to pass on to her mother. Billy's mother is still frozen, but automatically takes the letter and opens it. Oh, auntie, don't worry. She told me all about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> Billy is dead. She, she died last year. No. What are you talking about? I was with her all night. I, I didn't believe you until I opened the letter. Auntie Kere shows Emily what's inside. Pressed, dried flowers. The same flowers and last gift that her mother had sent her, just before she died. But she told me she was with her grandparents. She is with her grandparents. Her grandparents have been gone for over 10 years now. I don't understand. How and why? Oh, Emily, you were her favorite friend. She, she treasured the days you both spent daydreaming. This was her aroha for you, her goodbye to me, and she wanted to save you, to save another mother and another father from the terrible grief of losing a child. And how? Well, 
Some things are not supposed to be examined. You said you were with her all night? Yes, we travelled all night. Oh, of course. Where the dead sometimes walk. Thank you. Thank you for being her friend. And if you ever see her again, you know. Of course. After Auntie Kere has left, Emily is still reeling from the shock of Billy's death and the thought that Billy saved her. Emily looks to the sky. Billy, thank you. You were right, we won't see each other anytime soon. And I loved our adventures and daydreams too. And I'm really hoping, just hoping that there's no one up there by the name of Powder. Any chance of two miracles? To be continued. Paki kehua, he mea tuku, nā te wānanga o Aotearoa, a nā te māngai pāho i tautoko. Paki kehua, brought to you by te wānanga o Aotearoa, with funding from te māngai pāho.